0: SECTION 4 OF LETTERS OF MRS. ADAMS, VOLUME 1, BY CHARLES FRANCIS ADAMS. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. RECORDING BY SUE ANDERSON. SECTION 4, THE LETTERS, 1774. BRAINTREE, 19 AUGUST, 1774. TO JOHN ADAMS. THE GREAT DISTANCE BETWEEN US MAKES THE TIME APPEAR VERY LONG TO ME, it seems already a month since you left me. The great anxiety I feel for my country, for you, and for our family, renders the day tedious and the night unpleasant. The rocks and quicksands appear upon every side. What course you can or will take is all wrapped in the bosom of futurity. Uncertainty and expectation leave the mind great scope. Did ever any kingdom or state regain its liberty when once it was invaded without bloodshed? I cannot think of it without horror. Yet we are told that all the misfortunes of Sparta were occasioned by their too great solicitude for present tranquillity and from an excessive love of peace they neglected the means of making it sure and lasting. They ought to have reflected, says Polybius, that as there is nothing more desirable or advantageous than peace when founded in justice and honor, so there is nothing more shameful and at the same time more pernicious when attained by bad measures and purchased at the price of liberty. I have received a most charming letter from our friend Mrs. Warren, note Mrs. Mercy Warren, the wife of General James Warren of Plymouth, and the sister of James Otis. She desires me to tell you that her best wishes attend you through your journey, both as a friend and a patriot, hopes you will have no uncommon difficulties to surmount or hostile movements to impede you. But if the Locrian should interrupt you, she hopes that you will be aware that no future annals may say you chose an ambitious Philip for your leader." Who subverted the noble order of the american amphictyons and built up a monarchy on the ruins of the happy institution. I have taken a very great fondness for reading Roland's ancient history since you left me. I am determined to go through with it if possible in these my days of solitude. I find great pleasure and entertainment from it, and I have persuaded Johnny to read me a page or two every day and hope he will, from his desire to oblige me, entertain a fondness for it. We have had a charming rain, which lasted twelve hours, and has greatly revived the dying fruits of the earth. I want much to hear from you. I long impatiently to have you upon the stage of action. The first of September, or the month of September, perhaps, may be of as much importance to Great Britain as the Ides of March were to Caesar. I wish you every public as well as private blessing, and that wisdom which is profitable both for instruction and edification, to conduct you in this difficult day. The little flock remember Papa, and kindly wish to see him. So does your most affectionate Abigail Adams." Braintree, 2 September, 1774. To John Adams. I am very impatient to receive a letter from you. You indulged me so much in that way in your last absence that I now think I have a right to hear as often from you as you have leisure and opportunity to write. I hear that Mr. Adams, note Mr. Samuel Adams, wrote to his son, and the speaker, note, Mr. Cushing, to his lady, but perhaps you did not know of the opportunity. I suppose you have, before this time, received two letters from me, and will write me by the same conveyance. I judge you reached Philadelphia last Saturday night. I cannot but felicitate you upon your absence a little while from this scene of perturbation, anxiety, and distress.' I, oh, I feel not a little agitated with the accounts I have this day received from town. Great commotions have arisen in consequence of a discovery of a traitorous plot of Colonel Brattle's, his advice to gauge, to break every commissioned officer, and to seize the provinces and town's stock of gunpowder. This has so enraged and exasperated the people that there is great apprehension of an immediate rupture. They have all been in flames ever since the new-fangled councillors have taken their oaths. The importance, of which they consider the meeting of the Congress, and the result thereof to the community, withholds the arm of vengeance already lifted, which would most certainly fall with accumulated wrath upon Brattle, were it possible to come at him." but no sooner did he discover that his treachery had taken air than he fled, not only to Boston, but into the camp for safety. You will, by Mr. Tudor, no doubt, have a much more accurate account than I am able to give you. But one thing I can inform you of, which perhaps you may not have heard, namely, Mr. Vinton, our sheriff, it seems— received one of those twenty warrants note these were warrants issued by the clerks of the court by which the juries were summoned which were issued by messieurs Goldwait and price which has cost them bitter repentance and humble acknowledgments and which has revealed the great secret of their attachment to the liberties of their country and their veneration and regard for the goodwill of their countrymen see their address to hutcheson and gage this warrant which was for stoutenham vinton carried and delivered to a constable there but before he had got six miles he was overtaken by sixty men on horseback who surrounded him and told him unless he returned with them and demanded back that warrant and committed it to the flames before their faces he must take the consequences of a refusal. And he, not thinking it best to endure their vengeance, returned with them, made his demand of the warrant, and consumed it, upon which they dispersed and left him to his own reflections. Since the news of the Quebec Bill arrived, all the church people here have hung their heads, and will not converse upon politics, though ever so much provoked by the opposite party. Before that, parties ran very high, and very hard words and threats of blows upon both sides were given out. They have had their town meeting here, which was full as usual, chose their committee for the county meeting, and did business without once regarding or fearing for the consequences. I should be glad to know how you found the people as you traveled from town to town. I hear you met with great hospitality and kindness in Connecticut. Pray let me know how your health is and whether you have not had exceeding hot weather. The drought has been very severe. My poor cows will certainly prefer a petition to you, setting forth their grievances and informing you that they have been deprived of their ancient privileges, whereby they are become great sufferers, and desiring that they may be restored to them. More especially as their living, by reason of the drought, is all taken from them, and their property which they hold elsewhere is decaying, they humbly pray that you would consider them, lest hunger should break through stone walls." The tenderest regard evermore awaits you from your most affectionate, Abigail Adams. Braintree, 14 September, 1774. To John Adams. Dearest friend, five weeks have passed and not one line have I received. I would rather give a dollar for a letter by the post though the consequence should be that I ate but one meal a day these three weeks to come. Everyone I see is inquiring after you. When did I hear? All my intelligence is collected from the newspaper, and I can only reply that I saw by that you arrived such a day. I know your fondness for writing, and your inclination to let me hear from you by the first safe conveyance. "'which makes me suspect that some letter or other has miscarried. "'But I hope now you have arrived at Philadelphia "'you will find means to convey me some intelligence. "'We are all well here. "'I think I enjoyed better health than I have done these two years. "'I have not been to town since I parted with you there. "'The Governor is making all kinds of warlike preparations, "'such as mounting cannon upon Beacon Hill, digging intrenchments upon the neck, placing cannon there, encamping a regiment there, throwing up breastworks, etc. The people are much alarmed, and the selectmen have waited upon him in consequence of it. The county congress have also sent a committee, all which proceedings you will have a more particular account of than I am able to give you from the public papers." but as to the movements of this town, perhaps you may not hear them from any other person. In consequence of the powder being taken from Charlestown, a general alarm spread through many towns and was caught pretty soon here. The report took here on Friday, and on Sunday a soldier was seen lurking about the common, supposed to be a spy, but most likely a deserter. However, intelligence of it was communicated to the other parishes, and about eight o'clock Sunday evening there passed by here about two hundred men, preceded by a horse-cart, and marched down to the powder-house, from whence they took the powder and carried it into the other parish and there secreted it. I opened the window upon their return. They passed without any noise, not a word among them till they came against this house, when some of them, perceiving me, asked me if I wanted any powder. I replied no, since it was in so good hands. The reason they gave for taking it was that we had so many Tories here they dared not trust us with it. They had taken Vinton in their train, and upon their return they stopped between Cleverley's and Edder's and called upon him to deliver two warrants. Upon his producing them, they put it to vote whether they should burn them, and it passed in the affirmative. They then made a circle and burnt them. They then called a vote whether they should huzza, but it being Sunday evening it passed in the negative. They called upon Vinton to swear that he would never be instrumental in carrying into execution any of these new acts. They were not satisfied with his answers. However, they let him rest. A few days afterwards, upon his making some foolish speeches, they assembled to the amount of two or three hundred, and swore vengeance upon him unless he took a solemn oath. Accordingly, they chose a committee, and sent it with him to Major Miller's to see that he complied and they waited his return, which, proving satisfactory, they dispersed. This town appears as high as you can well imagine, and, if necessary, would soon be in arms. Not a tory but hides his head. The church parson thought they were coming after him, and ran up Garrett. They say another jumped out of his window and hid among the corn, while a third, crept under his board fence and told his beads. 16 September, 1774. I dined to-day at Colonel Quincy's. They were so kind as to send me and Abby and Betsy an invitation to spend the day with them. And, as I had not been to see them since I removed to Braintree, I accepted the invitation. After I got there came Mr. Samuel Quincy's wife and Mr. Sumner, mr josiah and wife a little clashing of parties you may be sure note it is well known that these two brothers took opposite sides in the struggle that ensued mr sam's wife said she thought it high time for her husband to turn about he had not done half so cleverly since he left her advice said they both greatly admired the most excellent speech of the bishop of st asaph which i suppose you have seen it meets and most certainly merits the greatest encomiums. Upon my return at night, Mr. Thaxter met me at the door with your letter dated at Princeton, New Jersey. It really gave me such a flow of spirits that I was not composed enough to sleep until one o'clock. You make no mention of one I wrote you previous to that you received by Mr. Breck and sent by Mr. Cunningham. I am rejoiced to hear you are well. "'I want to know many more particulars than you write me "'and hope soon to hear from you again. "'I dare not trust myself with the thought "'how long you may perhaps be absent. "'I only count the weeks already past, "'and they amount to five. "'I am not so lonely as I should have been "'without my two neighbors. "'We make a table full at mealtimes. "'All the rest of their time they spend in the office.' Never were two persons who gave a family less trouble than they do. It is at last determined that Mr. Rice keep the school here. Indeed, he has kept ever since he has been here, but not with any expectation that he should be continued. But the people finding no small difference between him and his predecessor shows he should be continued. I have not sent Johnny, note her son John Quincy Adams, He goes very steadily to Mr. Thaxter, who I believe takes very good care of him, and as they seem to have a liking to each other, I believe it will be best to continue him with him. However, when you return, we can consult what will be best. I am certain that if he does not get so much good, he gets less harm, and I have always thought it of very great importance that children should, in the early part of life, be unaccustomed to such examples as would tend to corrupt the purity of their words and actions, that they may chill with horror at the sound of an oath and blush with indignation at an obscene expression. These first principles, which grow with their growth and strengthen with their strength, neither time nor custom can totally eradicate. You will perhaps be tired No, let it serve by way of relaxation from the more important concerns of the day, and be such an amusement as your little hermitage used to afford you here. You have before you, to express myself in the words of the bishop, the greatest national concerns that ever came before any people. And if the prayers and petitions ascend unto heaven, which are daily offered for you, wisdom will flow down as a stream, and righteousness as the mighty waters, and your deliberations will make glad the cities of our God. I was very sorry I did not know of Mr. Carey's going. It would have been so good an opportunity to have sent this, as I lament the loss of. You have heard no doubt of the peoples preventing the court from sitting in various counties, and last week in Taunton Angier urged the court's opening, and calling out the actions, but could not effect it. I saw a letter from Miss Eunice, wherein she gives an account of it, and says there were two thousand men assembled round the courthouse, and by a committee of nine, presented a petition requesting that they would not sit, and with the utmost order, waited two hours for their answer, when they dispersed. You will burn all these letters, lest they should fall from your pocket, and thus expose your most affectionate friend, Abigail Adams. Boston Garrison, 22 September, 1774. To John Adams. I have just returned from a visit to my brother with my father, who carried me there the day before yesterday, and— called here on my return to see this much-injured town. I view it with much the same sensations that I should the body of a departed friend, as having only put off its present glory to rise finally to a more happy state. I will not despair, but will believe that our cause being good, we shall finally prevail. The maxim, in time of peace, prepare for war, if this may be called a time of peace, resounds throughout the country. Next Tuesday they are warned at Braintree, all above fifteen and under sixty, to attend with their arms, and to train once a fortnight from that time is a scheme which lies much at heart with many." "'Scott has arrived and brings news "'that he expected to find all peace and quietness here "'as he left them at home. "'You will have more particulars than I am able to send you "'from much better hands. "'There has been in town a conspiracy of the Negroes. "'At present it is kept pretty private "'and was discovered by one who endeavored to dissuade them from it. "'He, being threatened with his life, "'applied to Justice Quincy for protection.' they conducted in this way, got an Irishman to draw up a petition to the governor, telling him they would fight for him provided he would arm them, and engage to liberate them if he conquered. And it is said that he attended so much to it as to consult Percy upon it, and one lieutenant small has been very busy and active. There is but little said, and what steps they will take in consequence of it I know not. I wish most sincerely there was not a slave in the province. It always appeared a most iniquitous scheme to me to fight ourselves for what we are daily robbing and plundering from those who have as good a right to freedom as we have. You know my mind upon this subject. I left all our little ones well and shall return to them tonight. I hope to hear from you by the return of the bearer of this, and by revere. I long for the day of your return, yet look upon you as much safer where you are, but know it will not do for you. Not one action has been brought to this court, no business of any sort in your way. All law ceases, and the gospel will soon follow, for they are supporters of each other. Adieu, my father hurries me. Yours most sincerely, Abigail Adams." Braintree, 16 October, 1774, to John Adams, my much-loved friend, I dare not express to you at three hundred miles distance how ardently I long for your return. I have some very miserly wishes, and cannot consent to your spending one hour in town till at least I have had you twelve. The idea plays about my heart unnerves my hand whilst i write awakens all the tender sentiments that years have increased and matured and which when with me were every day dispensing to you the whole collected stock of ten weeks absence knows not how to brook any longer restraint but will break forth and flow through my pen may the like sensations enter thy breast and, spite of all the weighty cares of state, mingle themselves with those I wish to communicate, for, in giving them utterance, I have felt more sincere pleasure than I have known since the 10th of August. Note the day on which he left her. Many have been the anxious hours I have spent since that day. The threatening aspect of our public affairs, the complicated distress of this province, the arduous and perplexed business in which you are engaged, have all conspired to agitate my bosom with fears and apprehensions, to which I have heretofore been a stranger, and far from thinking the scene closed, it looks as though the curtain was but just drawn, and only the first scene of the infernal plot disclosed, and whether the end will be tragical, heaven alone knows." You cannot be, I know, nor do I wish to see you an inactive spectator. But if the sword be drawn, I bid adieu to all domestic felicity, and look forward to that country where there are neither wars nor rumors of war, in a firm belief that, through the mercy of its king, we shall both rejoice there together. I greatly fear that the arm of treachery and violence is lifted over us, as a scourge and heavy punishment from heaven for our numerous offenses, and for the misimprovement of our great advantages. If we expect to inherit the blessings of our fathers, we should return a little more to their primitive simplicity of manners, and not sink into inglorious ease. We have too many high-sounding words and too few actions that correspond with them, i have spent one sabbath in town since you left i saw no difference in respect to ornament etc but in the country you must look for that virtue of which you find but small glimmerings in the metropolis indeed they have not the advantages nor the resolution to encourage our own manufactories which people in the country have to the mercantile part it is considered as throwing away their own bread but they must retrench their expenses and be content with a small share of gain, for they will find but few who will wear their livery. As for me, I will seek wool and flax and work willingly with my hands, and indeed there is occasion for all our industry and economy. You mention the removal of our books, etc., from Boston. I believe they are safe there, and it would incommode the gentlemen to remove them, as they would not then have a place to repair to for study. I suppose they would not choose to be at the expense of boarding out. Mr. Williams, I believe, keeps pretty much with his mother. Mr. Hill's father had some thoughts of removing up to Braintree, provided he could be accommodated with a house, which he finds very difficult. Mr. Cranch's last determination was to tarry in town unless anything new takes place. His friends in town oppose his removal so much that he is determined to stay. The opinion you have entertained of General Gage is, I believe, just. Indeed, he professes to act only upon the defensive. The people in the country begin to be very anxious for the Congress to rise. They have no idea of the weighty business you have to transact, AND THEIR BLOOD BOILS WITH INDIGNATION AT THE HOSTILE PREPARATIONS THEY ARE CONSTANT WITNESSES OF. MR. QUINCY'S SO SECRET DEPARTURE IS MATTER OF VARIOUS SPECULATION. SOME SAY HE IS DEPUTED BY THE CONGRESS, OTHERS THAT HE HAS GONE TO HOLLAND, AND THE TORIES SAY HE is GONE TO BE HANGED. I REJOICE AT THE FAVORABLE ACCOUNT YOU GAVE ME OF YOUR HEALTH. MAY IT BE CONTINUED TO YOU, my health is much better than it was last fall some folks say i grow very fat i venture to write almost anything in this letter because i know the care of the bearer he will be most sadly disappointed if you should be broken up before he arrives as he is very desirous of being introduced by you to a number of gentlemen of respectable character i almost envy him that he should see you before i can "'Mr. Thaxter and Mr. Rice present their regards to you. "'Uncle Quincy, too, sends his love to you. "'He is very good to call and see me, "'and so have many other of my friends been. "'Colonel Warren and Lady were here on Monday "'and send their love to you. "'The colonel promised to write. "'Mrs. Warren will spend a day or two on her return with me. "'I told Betsy to write to you. "'She says she would if you were her husband.' Your mother sends her love to you, and all your family, too numerous to name, desire to be remembered. You will receive letters from two who are as earnest to write to Papa as if the welfare of a kingdom depended upon it. If you can give any guess within a month, let me know when you think of returning. Your most affectionate Abigail Adams. End of section 4.